What's up, Conspiracy Waters? Welcome back to Conspiracy What? Uh, I'm Allie. I'm Cameron, as usual. Yay, and today we have a good friend of ours. Um, you are. <laughs> My name is Sarah. Hooray. Hello. Sarah writes a really cool blog about books and stuff, and she actually has a post about this topic we're talking about. If you want to read it, her special post about it. Do you have an easy link to say on here? Or should I just link it on Instagram and stuff? Yeah, it'd probably be easier just to add a link. Cool. So I will post her blog on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. So Sarah, as an introduction, um, what is your favorite conspiracy? Wow, that is that is a tough one. And I knew you were going to ask me that, and I completely <laughs> forgot <laughs> and didn't do any thinking of it. Um, I think, I don't know, it's kind of not so much a conspiracy as much as it is cryptids, but just the stories of... Um, forest protectors like wendigos and thunderbirds and all that kind of stuff like are the forests actually being protected by these ancient spirits or are there some people actually protecting the forests i don't i don't know but i find all of those stories just fascinating and terrifying too if you just google wendigo and it will fuel your nightmares i love the wendigo stories they're so beautiful a lot of those like those indigenous stories tend to be some of like the creepier mythologies we have because like there's also there's the wendigo and then i always combine that one too with the the baby that cries in the forest and then you oh yeah it's not a baby yeah it's terrifying but those are those are good we talked a little bit about that in um crestone yeah we talked a little bit about the those types of mythologies in crestone apparently they have vortexes that are protected by similar spirits. Yeah. I have heard that. Yeah. Yes. It's an interesting In the San Luis Valley in Colorado. Yeah. Ooh, road trip. Yes. Yeah. I know. I want to if the world wasn't falling apart, but. True. (laughs) They are not. (laughs) At least there's nothing out there, you know? I mean, maybe we would be fine. Yeah. Or maybe there is something out there. (laughs) I know. In the the vortex. Yeah. Anyway, um, we are talking about Agatha Christie and her adventure of being missing for like 11 days, a week yeah. and a half. Easily my favorite author by far. And when I found out that she had disappeared, I had to learn all about it. And I'm so glad that I did. Yeah. Yeah. For those who don't know, uh, Agatha Christie was a writer. I don't know how you wouldn't know, I, but I feel like shame on you if you don't know. <laughs> you, you should look it up if you don't. Uh, but she's one of the best mystery writers to ever live. I think um, she is. She was active through like the from the early 1900s all the way through 1970s. So she has too many books. Yeah. <laughs> and she sold two billion copies or something insane. She's like literally the most. She is the best-selling author in the world. Mm-hmm. Wild. Yeah, I think I read that she was only outsold by the Bible and Shakespeare. Yeah. And they've been around a lot longer than she has. Exactly. Yeah. In about 100 years, she has almost outsold the Bible and Shakespeare. Yeah, but she's third place. massive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I believe all this started in 1926 in December. And she just sort of disappeared for several days um she started south in was it devon where she started ish mm-hmm. yeah better home in devon and then somehow ended up 200 miles north of that 11 days later yeah so i i did a lot of research for my blog and just out of personal curiosity but it's kind of it starts off sort of almost like a true crime podcast where she gets in a fight with her husband and she leaves the house in the middle of the night and the next day her car is found abandoned still running next to this kind of lake area and 
she is completely vanished. And it's a cold night. Her purse is still there. Her attache case is still there. And she is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, she leaves all of her stuff in there. And I read that the car had, like, the lights on and all the doors open. And it was, like, stuck on a rock at the edge of a quarry also. (laughs) Which is a little scary. So that's already weird to start with. And I guess tons of people started work or looking for her her almost immediately i mean because she was so she was already famous and she had just published another book so when she went missing it was sort of like a national treasure had gone missing and especially and her husband was immediately implicated because he got in a fight with her the night before so yeah exactly yeah so they spent a lot of money and a lot of time looking for her and a lot of dogs and nobody found her. Another interesting thing is that a lot of the other prolific mystery and like other writers of the time got in on this, including Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, (laughs) which I was saying to Cam earlier, I think it's so interesting to be living in a time where Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is looking for Agatha Christie with occultism. Right. Right. (laughs) He didn't even go to the normal, like, detective. He didn't go the normal detective route. He went straight (laughs) for spiritualism. Yeah, and I guess he's a prolific occultist or whatever. Right, yeah. Which I think is hilarious. I didn't know that about him at all. I didn't either. He went to a spiritualist and, like, brought them one of her gloves. Mm-hmm. And I read a story from somebody who said that he actually didn't say, oh, we're looking for Agatha Christie specifically. And I guess the the person said, I'm getting the name Agatha and she's in danger and doesn't know where she is and something like that. Mm. Uh, so it gets a little spooky there. And then she, 11 days later, is spotted at a hotel. Yeah. And he comes, her husband comes to pick her up. That's the short story. Yeah. Uh, but she supposedly didn't know who she was. She, They say she claimed amnesia, but I'm pretty sure her husband claimed she had amnesia. Right. Um, yeah. Which I know Cam has some beef about. <laughs> wow, that's uh, with amnesia. Not with amnesia, just with the husband. But we'll, we'll get there at some uh, point. And he brought her home, and she apparently refused to talk about this ever again. So what happened? <laughs> So to kind of start us off um, with like where the conspiracy aspect of this comes in beyond just her disappearing and people not knowing where she is or not telling anyone where she's going, you have like one of the first big pieces, I guess, was this rumor that started to circulate of a letter that was to remain unopened um, unless her body was found. And she had left this the day before, the day prior um, to disappearing she had written this and left it for her husband and her secretary. Those are the only two that were allowed to open it and who knew what the contents of it were. So, but that again was only if her body was actually found um, unless if that didn't happen, then you weren't supposed to open the letter at all. Has the contents of the letter ever been revealed? Cause I didn't read that part. That's I couldn't find um, what it said. From what I understand, the husband kept the letter and he never gave it back. That's as far as I could find is he was the last person to have the letter. And then he kind of just never gave it to anybody, never gave it to the press or anything like that. So I've read, I think I read somewhere that she actually had most of this information in her diary, which is locked, like apparently pretty well, and they can't open it. (laughs) So I guess one of the crazy things about this is we might have the answers in this little diary that we can't get open. Mm. Don't know where that is, though. So that was just something I sort of read in passing on some weird website. So I don't know how credible that is. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that she would leave uh, She would leave a letter with the idea specifically that her body has to be found before anybody can open it. It's one of those things where people question, you know, if she knew she was going to disappear. Um, and that's what kind of leads into those conspiracies rather than someone taking her or anything like that. Um, but yeah, the letter is just kind of, it's kind of the thing that started off the weirdness. Uh, it was something they knew about early on. It's in the old newspapers back when she first disappeared. It's, it's a really interesting thing just cause we'll never know what was actually in it. I don't know if you guys saw this picture that I put at the bottom of 
this file here, but I guess some people thought that she may not have like accidentally disappeared. She might have been wandering around disguised as a man or somebody else. Um, I'll post the picture of it, but it's really funny because they like composited different hair and like glasses over her in this newspaper. <laughs> it's really funny looking. Yeah, the pictures are great, and it's definitely no one would ever dress like that. It's sort of like all the composites they do today. It's kind of they're getting better, but <laughs> some of them are pretty great. Yeah, so I guess that was a theory too, is that she was just wandering around to somebody else and trying to hide on purpose. It's just hard to believe that she would be able to get 200 miles away without anyone ever coming forward years later saying, oh, I helped her, or because you yeah. wouldn't want that kind of street cred, basically, say, yeah. I helped Agatha escape to the countryside or something. I know, like, it was aliens, but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, it for sure was aliens, yeah. Yeah, and the belief that she had... Um, she had kind of like donned men's attire and had been walking around in plain sight. Uh, it kind of goes together for me, at least with the idea that she was also supposed to be helping the police was one of the ideas where she was supposedly working with them. So she disappeared to work with them in like secret working undercover. Right. So that nobody knew what was actually going on because you hire Agatha Christie to help solve your crimes uh, hey, she actually wasn't un unexperienced in things. Um, I guess she was recognized for having a great description of a poisoning in her books because she was actually, she used to work in, a, in, a, in an apothecary, mm -hmm. which is kind of a cool factoid, I think. She knows some stuff. She's not just a writer. Yeah, she was obsessed with one certain type of poison. Which one was it? I don't remember. There's one that she particularly favored, and I don't remember which one that was. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting idea that maybe she, like, it kind of goes into that thing, like, who, how would you not know that you're, you know, shuttling Agatha Christie 200 miles away, or, you know, whatever that may be, it, it would make sense that maybe she was working with the entire police agency that was faking the search for her. But at the same time, I feel like it was a huge manhunt, and maybe a little much for just like one set of police officers to hide her. Also, I just want to point out that 200 miles is not a short distance, no. especially for people <laughs> in the UK. That's about a six-hour, five-hour drive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When usually people in the area don't really drive more than, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, and as part of the search, I think it, what I read anyway was that it was one of the first, if not the first, time that the police used planes to search for somebody. Right. Which, why would you go through that kind of expense if you just had her on the side yeah helping you or you know that's that seems a bit excessive yeah it, it seems a bit much especially for doing it for the first time i mean even searching with planes now is very expensive so i can't imagine it was easy to do then something that was probably very difficult to get yeah did you find anything as to what she could have been working on i couldn't find anything as to what the actual case would have been like there's no like crazy cases from around that time at least that she would have been working on you would think so i mm -hmm. couldn't really find anything notable that doesn't mean it's, there's not something there i mean there could be but it's hard to say whether i've seen the movie that was based on that theory the uh is that the is that the newest one the mm -hmm. yeah the one from 2019 i haven't seen that one it's great I, I saw a trailer for it but that's all i saw what is it what is it called I cannot remember the title. I was just thinking of that, and I can't remember the title. I think it's just called The Disappearance of Agatha Christie. Or no, Agatha, Agatha and the Truth of Murder, Ooh. I think, is what it is. It's apparently on Netflix at this moment. Oh, yeah. cool. Um, yeah, so I guess, I guess what they, they decided in the real story is basically that she had a mental breakdown, right? Right. But there's there's kind of speculation as to like what kind of mental breakdown and why. Mm -hmm. um, since we don't really have access to the letters, um, I saw a couple ideas. Um, I guess her mother had just recently died, and so they thought, oh, she was having mental stress from releasing a book and her mother died, and so she just, I don't know, I guess went away. Yeah. <laughs> and that her husband was not being very great to her. 
Yeah, exactly. He's kind of a dick, yeah. for lack of a better word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he uh, he sounded like a great person. Uh, you know, he was a war hero, and everyone seemed to love him. But in his personal life, he was not not a great husband. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. He. So it came out later, quite a bit later, that he had been uh, cheating on Agatha Christie which she had only just recently discovered, I guess, is basically what the thought is. Um, and that could have also attributed or contributed to her mental breakdown. Uh, and, I mean, that would seem fair, that that plus if her mother had just passed away, plus the release of a new book, which I guess had been doing well, so that's not necessarily stressful. But um, all those things kind of weighed on her, and that's the thought there is, those kind of drove her to her breaking point. Um, but then like, what kind of breaking point was it? <laughs> was it intentional or did she really like crash her car and then like lose her memory? People question as to whether or not she did it intentionally or if it's something where she completely lost her mind and went into a fugue state. Uh, who was the first one that, that said that she might've gone into a fugue state? It was the guy that wrote a biography about her. His name was Andrew Norman. And he presented that theory as something because like a fugue state isn't, it's not quite amnesia. It's more like a trance kind of thing. And I guess it can happen with like trauma or depression or something. It can, it can trigger something like that to happen. So like she sort of knew what she was doing, but not really, which is probably why she would end up like way away in a spa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and she sort of cobbled together pieces of information that were sort of half-truths when she did get to this spa and used the maiden name or the name or whatever of her husband's mistress, which I found kind of interesting. It sort of seemed like that was intentional. It had to have been made. Well, unless the name was really popular. I don't know. And then she also said she had just recently returned from Egypt, which is the last trip she took with her mother. So that was also kind of part of, I don't know, it's possible. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely layers here. Yeah. <laughs> so like, here's one thing that I noticed is people keep saying that, or lots of sources that I found kept saying that she never talked about it again. Like she never said anything afterwards, but she actually did do a short interview at one point. Mm-hmm where she said something like she was overcome with a sudden urge to drive into that chalk pit. And that's part of the, the idea that maybe she was, this was like a legit suicide attempt. Because she said that, and then she supposedly got, she said she got a concussion, and that's probably what set off this whole 200-mile adventure. Yeah. Um, but I guess I mean, quite a few people have said it before. The best possible outcome to a suicide attempt, you end up in a spa 200 miles away. Yeah, that's right? Okay. I think that's a positive end. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. And then my favorite theory is she probably was trying to get revenge on her husband by doing this, by making like a whole big to-do out of this and bringing in hundreds or thousands or something. It was mm-hmm. like a lot of people on a search and he had to spend his own money. And the mistress's name thing is what gets me the most. Mm -hmm. it's like that's like an i know who she is and you have to check me out of a spa while i'm using (laughs) her name (laughs) but the story with the spa thing is also hilarious because i guess she was there for like a while just kind of milling around doing whatever she wanted like going to parties and concerts in there and people were noticing her but she was like that i'm not agatha christie that's not who i am and then finally, I guess, uh, he was one of the musicians, and he tipped off the fact that Agatha Christie was at this hotel, and so her husband came and got her. Um, but when he came to get her, I guess she greeted him as her brother. She wouldn't acknowledge that he was her husband. And when she found out he was there to pick her up, she like took her total sweet time, just like cleaning up, and she like did up her face and she changed it in like a full ball gown or something and then came downstairs. So to me, that sounds like she was making a show out of it. 
Well, and I find it kind of funny that the while she was missing, her husband was with his mistress. And so by her disappearing, he was forced to give an alibi and therefore out himself saying, yes, I was with a mistress and this is who she is. Yeah. And so she didn't have to come public with the fact that her husband was having an affair, but he did. And I find that so hilariously petty and <laughs> glorious. Like that's the best way to get, Oh yeah. <laughs> get that sure. story out. Um, I, I know, I don't know if this is proven, but was that what the argument they had was, is that she knew or like he was, he was going on a trip and they had an argument about it or something. I don't know. I don't, remember reading any specifics i just remembered that the secretary overheard them having an argument or something or maybe maybe he was the one that said they had an argument i don't remember i'm sure that's probably what i would bet it was him that had said something about it more than anything just because of the way the whole thing kind of progressed after she showed back up is it was him talking to the press the entire time so Mm -hmm. she never made a statement and he almost I mean, it seems like he almost didn't let her make a statement about it. He was very quick to just shovel it all away. Yeah. Um, Another note with that, too, is he actually said at one point before he came out with it that neither he nor Agatha knew anyone by that name, like referring to the, the last name that she used. Yeah. And so then he tried to use that as evidence as to, like, having amnesia or whatever. Yeah. But like going back, so going back into another one of the theories before our final one on here, because we do have a bigger final one. Uh, <laughs> the best theory, you mean? Yeah, the one hundred percent accurate one. We have found. But before that, <laughs> I want to go into uh, back into the seance that was held. Oh too, yeah, I kind of skipped over because we didn't talk about that. Uh, the, there was a seance that was held, a big one. It was it was done by what was described as a party of mediums basically who sat around i was gonna uh, say that this this medium i think was the same one that predicted reagan's presidency or something insane well they stood around this spot basically uh and what they came to the conclusion of is that she had met with foul play which i think is an interesting conclusion. Uh, one thing I couldn't figure out is how they came to that. I never figured out what led them to believing she came to foul play. But one thing I um, that I think is interesting is that this was part of the legitimate like investigation. This is something that they were trying to figure out. So they used this as something. Well, maybe she did go in, come into foul play, and then they were looking for evidence of that. And I feel like it's just very interesting that they just assumed that automatically. So what did they know and what should have happened to Agatha? Yeah, maybe they were seeing some alternate reality. It's still, it's going to get me forever that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is the one that, that brought that up. Right. I know. Well, and originally she was a fan of his writing, which is why she kind of started doing her own um, mystery writing, which I can't even imagine how incredible that would be if your hero ended up trying to find you that's that's so great mm-hmm. like a celebrity that you love just suddenly joins a search to find you and then like hires a, a medium <laughs> to to ask where you are that sounds like the best story ever by the way keanu reeves um if i ever go missing please come find me i'll pass it on i'll tag him in that's a for you thank you um yeah so is there any <laughs> Any more points on the real world? No? Cool. It was aliens. It was. And actually, we have some compelling evidence. Um, And I'm going to be honest, I could not really find anything where anybody else really had a UFO theory. Um, There is a Doctor Who episode, of course, that involves aliens. And technically, Christy was moved from one place to another by the Doctor, who is an alien. So I guess you could sort of say she was on an alien spaceship and that, but not the same. (laughs) So at first I thought it was kind of funny, but then I did more digging and was looking at maps from 
um, her trip and or what route was most likely that she would have taken back then and overlaid a map of all of the different henge sites, which there are way more than I ever thought there were. I need yeah. to learn a lot more about British history, clearly. But the exact path that she takes goes past all of these famous spiritual locations and along this um, geological formation called the Jurassic Way. And basically that was an ancient footpath that sort of abutted this natural ridge that people had been taking for thousands of years possibly. And she trekked right up along that path to this spa. So, cool. so was she taken to the spa by aliens? I mean, nobody else ever came forward and said that they helped her get from her car there. And yeah, it was probably aliens. Yeah, that's some real conspiracy research right there. <laughs> it overlay maps. maps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, is, it is irrefutable proof. <laughs> yes, and I mean, we we've usually talked about aliens and UFO things in America, but they definitely are in other places. the The place in which she lived had thirteen UFO sightings around that time, and um, I, I just really like the Stonehenge thing because. That has been connected to aliens a lot before people have said maybe aliens built Stonehenge. Mm -hmm. And I really think it does kind of explain the whole how did she get six hours away. I guess nobody really said, though, like, when did she check into the spa? Like, how quickly did she get there? Was it a weird amount of time? Right. I, I wish I had looked that up. Yeah. But I highly doubt that anybody really recorded that. Well, that's the thing is I didn't see anything. I mean, there someone probably would have recorded it because they would have recorded when their guests showed up. But I didn't see anything that says when she showed up or how long she was actually there for. I mean, if it's only a six-hour drive or, you know, basically you can get there in under a day, then it wouldn't be hard for her to stop a car there and take another car to get there in one day. I mean, because she, she also did this at night because it was, what, 9.30 p.m.? Mm -hmm. that this started so i mean driving not too far from her house crashing the car and then taking another car there she could easily be there probably by the morning yeah yeah but i mean it was aliens but it could have been be aliens. Lot, yeah it would be a lot faster if you took a spaceship it would be much faster mm -hmm. i mean we assume i guess i don't know how fast <laughs> spaceships go well it's also That's weird true. because like she left her car on with the lights on all the doors open and all her stuff was in there you know, so like you could kind of speculate she was abducted. You could say either humans or aliens, but. And one of the interesting things too, I guess that we didn't bring up, I don't think we did, uh, is so she left all of her stuff behind, but when her husband came to get her, she had a whole bunch of other stuff that she had gotten somewhere. And he said he has no idea where because she didn't cash any checks and she didn't have any money on her as far as he knew. So she just. Happened to happens. manifest the stuff, um, but what do you want to say? Your theory for that? No, no, not yet. Okay. Finish, finish your narrative with the alien thing because I see you've added more to it, Cameron. Oh, yeah. I mean, for <laughs> me, so talking about the alien thing, it would it would make sense if you know if we're playing with this that of all people, Agatha Christie would be abducted, um, just because she's one of the like <laughs> top mystery writers that we have right okay so aliens want to learn about human mysteries and how they look at it so they kidnap one of the greatest mystery writers to ever live that's well, I she think had that's only fair. written like six books at that time yeah but she was one she was still selling very very well granted she actually sold better after her disappearance than she did before but she still sold very very well um and on top of this we mentioned that planes were used and why else would you use a plane? Search for alien spaceships, because that's all you would have had then to search for alien spaceships. Right, you have to level the playing field a bit. Right, yeah. So it's a possibility that maybe they weren't searching the ground when they had people in the skies, they were searching the skies, because that's where you have people. Which would make sense why you'd go through the expense, because I'm sure it was very, very expensive to get someone up in the air to look for Agatha Christie, unless they just really liked her books and volunteered, which is also a possibility. 
uh, either way, they're probably looking for spaceships. And if you if you look at the reporting of the time, you can see why there wouldn't really be any reportings on aliens, alien, alien spaceships coming in, like abducting people and crashing on earth. It didn't really become popular until like 1947 with the Roswell incident. And in the UK, they had sightings before that. I believe the first sighting I found in the UK was 1941. That's the first documented like UFO report. Is that from our men in black episode? No. Were any of those from the UK? No. Okay. That was all America. Uh, but the, I found one from 1941. Uh, there also, though, are UFO reports kind of from the 1200s as well. So people seeing balls of light flying through the sky and things like that. So it doesn't mean people weren't reporting. It just means it wasn't popular. Which so I think it is a lot sense. creepier coming from a time with no technology. Yeah, exactly. So it would make sense that maybe there were aliens there. It's not like people hadn't reported things like that around the time. It just wasn't as well accepted. Usually people came up with something else that it could have been. So, right. Well, and I think especially they would have reported it differently because for a long time people were reporting angels and gods and things like that flying in the sky and everything. And then the whole narrative changed when we got into the technological era of the 40s. Yeah, and oddly enough, just with that, like the 1200s one I found, I think was a friar who found, the, who reported like a ball of light through the sky. So another religious figure, and oftentimes they do equate it to religious entities rather than, you know, something more scientific or technological, um, especially because at the time technological meant wagon. So probably not what they were expecting. Meant wagon. I mean, they didn't have a lot of technology in the 1200s. <laughs> and I imagine it's hard to send a flaming wagon through the sky back then. I don't know. I don't know what technology they had. I mean, have you ever seen catapults? I've done a lot of research on Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and those things can, can send uh, large wooden rabbits. So, If we're to believe that, then yeah. I mean, that's totally possible. Maybe that's what he saw. We solved that mystery. That's not even what we were going for today. <laughs> mystery solved. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's a fair theory if, if we're going on the conspiracy, which we are, because this is a conspiracy theory podcast. Um, I think Agatha Christie could have very well been abducted by aliens. It would also account for the memory loss, you know, because abductees usually have a time gap. And she didn't seem to know really any details as to how she ended up that far away from home. And I think it makes some sense. Yeah. Well, um, and the, the part for me that always seemed the strangest was how her car was left. Like with yeah. the lights on, it was still running, the doors were all open. That's, if somebody's going to rob you or something, they're not going to just leave all the doors open and everything. I I think. I don't know. I've never been a criminal. But, um... Yeah, I mean, it, that is also... that. I mean, going back into the alien stuff, that is very much like an alien abductee thing, too. The lights stay on in the car. The person's the only thing taken. Uh, sometimes really the doors are open. To fix your car if you just right. get sucked up into a UFO. True. Um, now, if, if y'all want to hear a real fringe theory that I found. Um, it's on this site called Phantoms and Monsters. Ooh. Good start. Uh, yeah. yeah. It is mostly like a paranormal site, and I guess they had found a seance that somebody had done, um, and they asked, they asked, obviously, the most likely spirit that you could ask about Ag Agatha Christie, right? Who would you say that would be? Hercule Poirot. <laughs> no, it was, it was L. Ron yes. Hubbard. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they were besties, weren't they? Yeah, they totally knew each other. <laughs> um, the guy who invented Scientology. Um, so I guess what these people did is they went into the room um, that she stayed in during this adventure of hers in that hotel and they did a seance 
And I guess the person who was the medium or whatever he wanted to call himself regularly channels L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> and he asked him what happened to Agatha Christie. <laughs> and he gave a very apparently L. Ron Hubbard response. He basically said that she was having an affair with an alien who Christie said was neither male nor female, but then Hubbard said it was definitely a man, but with female features. I, and so, David Tennant. We're going back to the Doctor Who yeah, theory. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I think we're on to something. Go ahead. And the, the thing's name was Epiphio, and it was extraterrestrial, and it was humanoid, and it was, <laughs> he even said what planet it was from. It's from or Orbine. Here's the quote. Orbine. Orbine 4, to be exact. Um, he said, uh, I don't think there's a date. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm assuming this is probably 9th of January, 2004. Okay. Yeah. And, okay, so she knew it was an extraterrestrial. And that the time that they spent at the hotel together was something like a honeymoon. Oh, my. Yeah. And that's why she was never able to say anything after she came back from the hotel, because she was also having an affair, but it was with an alien. Um, now, did this, does this mean that the alien picked her up from her car and brought her over to the hotel and this was their honeymoon? I think that that works out. Um, well, they visited all the henge sites on their yeah, honeymoon. It was That's a honeymoon. So Is this saying that aliens have personal ships? He was alone. So I guess. So yes. Because <laughs> usually they're in groups. I don't think I've ever heard one where it's just like one alien. Yeah, it says in that in ship. here. It says, did he come? So the, the, okay. So the person is called an interlocutor. I want to say interviewer. Um, I'm pretty sure interlocutor is a Scientologist term. But that person asked Hubbard, did he come in a spacecraft or did he simply come in an exploration device from his planet? And Hubbard said, he was an explorer who came alone. Um, and so like, that's why she had to remain silent because hmm. she was also having an affair with an alien. Yeah, and that's slightly worse for PR than if you're just having an affair with a human, I would think. And that's or why better. she never said anything again. Yeah, that's true. Um, but then that would also explain, you know, why she had all this stuff. You know, like you were saying, Cameron, they, she had like clothes and things and they, she never cashed a check because her alien boyfriend got it for her. Now, I don't know how L. Ron Hubbard knew any of this. Well, just so people know, an interlocutor is, uh, it, it's actually a linguistics term, but Scientologists use it as a training term for people who can speak to, you know, people through death and things like that. Uh, or people beyond this world, I should say, since Scientologists don't necessarily believe in death. It doesn't work like that. Uh, but that's what, I mean, so that, so this person was probably trained to do this, I guess. I would assume. Yeah, so that's probably what he was. He wasn't really like a medium or anything. I think he, the point here is that he was a Scientology-related interlocutor, who, which is which would be why apparently he can only talk to L. Ron Hubbard. That makes sense. I guess. Who else would you talk to? I don't know. Who else would you need to know things from? Tom Cruise. He's still alive. You don't need to. <laughs> Is he though? I don't know Is anymore. He, did he die a long time ago? <laughs> um, yeah. So that is probably my favorite thing I found on the internet, and I found that by searching for something like Ag "Was Agatha Christie abducted by aliens?" And my my search results were one really bad YouTube video of some guy who I thought it was going to be really good because it was titled. Agatha Christie gets abducted by aliens and her memory is extracted or something. Ooh. I was like, okay, there we go. And I clicked on it and the guy had used like four pictures of like, there were two that were aliens. There was one of a spaceship and one of a woman that sort of looked like Agatha Christie. And he instead invented a really bad narrative between the aliens and themselves and the aliens and Christie. Aww. 
But like, I'm pretty sure what he did too is he, the subtitles had English and then right under, I think it was Portuguese. And I think he speaks Portuguese and he put his Portuguese lines through Google Translate because I really cannot understand what the hell was going on. <laughs> it was, so look for that on the internet and tell me if you get what that means. I will immediately. It was pretty cringy. And the alien pictures are definitely like the first two pictures that you get if you Google aliens. Oh. Image search. Which I would know because I've done that several times. <laughs> um, that's all I have for that. That's that great. wild theory. <laughs> um, so now comes the part where Cam gets to rant about Agatha Christie's husband. Oh boy. Is it a rant? That's not a rant. It's, it's a okay rant. if it is. He was not a great guy. No, he was an asshole. She He's actually married a much more interesting man later, because at least he sounded more interesting, because he was an archaeologist. Went from a colonel to an alien to an archaeologist. <laughs> all sorts. Maybe the alien was the archaeologist. Maybe. I mean, it's an alien. It makes sense. Like, he would know all the sites that they built, like the pyramids and Machu Picchu and everything. Yeah. He'd know where to look. Yeah. He would. Uh, so going into this kind of in the conclusions here, uh, one of the biggest things about this whole case for me, at least is that Agatha Christie never really said much of anything. Uh, in fact, she never came up with the amnesia. She never came up with, you know, like the, some of the little events that her husband said may have happened throughout. It was all her husband after she was found he was the only person that spoke to the press until she got remarried. Everyone says she never spoke on the matter. She did, in fact, speak on the matter one time in 1928. Uh, that was the only thing I could find where she ever said anything about it. Uh, it was a clipping from a newspaper from the Daily Mail from 1928. Uh, but the the problem that I have with this is that all of this came from her husband. The Amnesia came from the fact that he went to the doctor to try and figure out what might have happened. Um, he said even that the doctors told me that such an action is compatible with that of a person suffering from memory loss about the whole event. Uh, he was trying to figure out what to tell the press about the event that would basically get away from the cheating scandal. Because the biggest problem here, as we've mentioned, is that Agatha Christie was not at the spa under her name. She was under the name Tressa Neal. Tressa Neal was what we later found out, uh, was the girlfriend of Mr. Christie. But that wasn't her first name. Right. It was just the last name that was the same. But... He said that they knew no one by either of those names, which is important because he was already dating Neil at the time. And then later she became his second wife. But the fact that he went so far as to say, we know no one at all by that name was obvious that he was trying to get away from whatever actually happened. And when you kind of look at it, it's almost like Agatha Christie created this narrative in real life whether she did it from the start to be intentional to create a narrative or whether she just kind of began to lay the pieces as everything started happening i don't know but she definitely laid this short narrative there using her husband's uh his her husband's girlfriend's name disappearing by leaving her car with all of her belongings in it going very far away, somehow winding up with multiple objects as well that she couldn't have paid for because she had no money and no money had been withdrawn or anything like that. Uh, all of these different things are very odd and it seems like she would have had to put them together. But her husband never mentions really any of it. He just comes up with his own narrative, which is that obviously she was suffering from mental you know, memory loss, which is why she disappeared because she would have never left me. It's kind of the thing that husbands and men generally did to women in these times absolutely is just sort of be like yeah she's crazy she's what did they call it it was like the ailment of being a woman i don't remember what it was but it was 
something that you could literally be put in a mental hospital for. And it's literally just like having feelings. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is something too, that's been around for, I mean, it's, it's not something that like went away after the twenties either. I mean, it's been around, we were just watching the I'll be gone in the dark documentary on HBO and you still see how women are kind of like, not, I mean, like they were more persecuted back in the twenties, but they're still, it's, it seems wrong. Right. Yeah. It it seems wrong for them to have any feelings or emotions about something that happened to them. And that's what I think kind of happened to Agatha Christie is she lives in a world where that's not really accepted. And her husband was able to take control of the situation because of that. She had no say in it. Um, But like I, I was saying earlier, I think if she wasn't such a prolific writer, and people didn't know her so well, she probably would have been thrown in a mental house for this whole incident. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think at the same time, too, had her husband not been a very well-respected military, like, or colonel, was he a colonel? He was a colonel, right? Yeah. If he hadn't been a very well-respected military colonel, I don't think he could have gotten away necessarily with being the only person to say anything about it, but everyone trusted him. Too. He was very well known, very well. That was the problem for both of them, is they were both trusted. Right. He was seen as a good person, and she was seen as a very smart and also relatively independent woman. And I think in the 20s, the man is going to win out in that situation, which I think is what happened. But I want to go ahead and read what I found from the Daily Mail clipping, uh, which is she says that she was driving past a quarry in 1926, and she says, There came into my mind the thought of driving into it. However, as my daughter was with me in the car, I dismissed the idea at once. That night, I felt terribly miserable. I felt that I could go on no longer. I've, I left home that night in a state of high nervous strain with the intention of doing something desperate. When I reached a point on the road, which I thought was near the quarry, I turned the car off the road, down the hill, toward it. I left the wheel and let the car run. The car struck something with a jerk and pulled up suddenly. I was flung against the steering wheel and my head hit something up till this moment. I was Miss Christie. Which I think is her just kind of finishing off the weaving of the narrative that she had kind of started from the beginning. Um, But this is one thing that I thought was really interesting because everybody, I mean, everyone says it. She never said anything about the incident. She refused to talk about it. Even in the Doctor Who episode, they mentioned that, but it's not true. She did say something. It's and it just, was after she was remarried. Right. It was. So like not under the thumb of the husband who was probably telling her not to talk about it. Yeah. It was about half a year after she was remarried that she said this. So I thought it was interesting that she gave us what happened. And I mean, when you put that into a more modern perspective, that sounds more like she was extremely distraught with probably the death of her mother, as we mentioned, and with the scandal of her husband that she's that she can't talk about because i mean i almost wonder who would believe her at that time anyway with how respected he was um and it it's one of those things that sounds more like she just was trying to end everything and that it didn't actually happen like she had planned it to because i mean she very obviously almost it seems like would have just driven into the quarry had her daughter not been in the backseat of the car i mean that's basically what she's saying there is that she wanted to do it. She wanted to end her own life, but she didn't really get the chance because she didn't want to end her daughter's life with hers. So I thought that was an interesting kind of end to the narrative and kind of the final thing that really anyone else had to say about it. But I mean, I know other people have come up with, you know, like the fugue state thing was come up with long after she had made that statement. A lot of these different things were, I think it's more just people kind of ignoring the fact that she made a statement though. That's what I see at least. And it was one of the biggest pieces of evidence that I could see to go against pretty much all of the conspiracies. Except for the aliens. Except for the aliens. I mean, I can mostly agree with that. I think part of the narrative is just that he tried to cover things up. And then, like Sarah said earlier, he eventually had to say he had an alibi with his mistress. And so everything failed. (laughs) I mean, really, it was Agatha who used her own wit to pretend, and again, this is a conspiracy theory, I guess, too, or just a theory that she planned all of this and knew exactly what she was doing and therefore was able to not really tarnish her husband's reputation, but it definitely affected it for sure. Yeah. And I kind of look at this like one of the last things on her, like in 
in her dialogue here is just she says up and up to this moment i was miss christie and originally i read that like oh maybe the memory loss thing did happen and then as i was like reading more into it i kind of realized that i think what she or at least in my mind what she means there is that up until that moment she was trying to stay married to christy mm-hmm. whereas after that moment after the suicide didn't work i think she came to a realization that she didn't want to be with him anymore and that she wasn't going to try and that eventually she would get out of it which you know 15 months later she sues him for a divorce so i think that's kind of what she's telling us and again she's telling us in the fact that she's a writer and she's spinning it not just straightforward necessarily and i think that's kind of what this whole event was at least for me it seems like that was kind of the whole intention yeah so i guess that's what cam believes yeah that's pretty much <laughs> what i believe um, I, I just believe her voice wasn't necessarily heard when it should have been Sarah, what do you believe? (laughs) Um, I believe that Agatha was a brilliant woman and was already thinking 10 steps ahead of everyone. And the only part that is strange for me is the fact that nobody came forward saying that they helped her. And I I don't know anyone with that kind of loyalty, especially after her death. Um, to keep a secret like that for so long, but I I think that she planned it to yeah to some extent. I I forgot to mention that is one part of my belief with the who planned it because that is probably the biggest like mystery or conspiracy here the thing here is who helped her because she had to have had help and I think it was the secretary because uh, the secretary is the only other person she trusted with the letter. Uh, and it seems like the secretary was very much like the like second most important person in her life at that point in terms of trust. Maybe it was her husband, not like her current husband, like the guy she married later. The archaeologist. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe they already knew each other. Maybe. Um, that's why they got, they got married so quickly after. So that's what you believe? That the alien <laughs> was the archaeologist who yes. became her husband? Yes. And that they hung exactly. out at the spa after seeing all of the different hinges? Yep, hinge to her with her boyfriend, Max, I think was his name, the alien. Max, <laughs> Max the, the alien. alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Roswell reference, TV show, anyone? Max, no? Okay. Oh, I haven't seen it, see? sorry. Somebody might have listened and knows that, but not us. <laughs> um, I was I also think- going to say, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that we all need t-shirts that say Henge Tour 1926. Yes. Oh, that'd be great. Oh my God. <laughs> I swear, we come up with merch like half the time we do this episode, these episodes, and I yeah. think we need to start a store. <laughs> uh, yes, 100%. I would, I would buy and wear that shirt every day. <laughs> cool. So we have Henge Tour 1926, and then we also have Fuck Your Reality yeah. with Angel. <laughs> and... <laughs> And all of our 30 burb posters. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, we do have 30 burb posters. I know, we've done 30 episodes. Yeah. Um, I, anyway, I was also going to say that maybe maybe she did just kind of hitchhike up there. Since people were guessing that she may have dressed up as a man or something, maybe that's how she got away with it, is nobody knew they helped Agatha Christie because um, she disguised herself. Um. Anyway. I hope that she wore like the Groucho Marx glasses with the big nose and the mustache. Yes. Just the whole way up there. Or like in one, of the, in one of the pictures, they like composited an awful black bob over her <laughs> and like those like little round glasses. And I yeah. hope that's exactly what she looked like. Yeah. Um, as far as what I believe, I guess, I mean, I kind of just agree with both of you. Um, I think she totally knew what she was doing. I don't think she had amnesia. I think she was in a state of this sucks and then came to a realization that, but I don't really want to just die about it, you know? Yeah. So she went to a spa. She was like, fuck you and your mistress. (laughs) And I'm going to hang out out here. And then you're going to have to tell the world that you suck and we're getting divorced. Um, and like you said, she's an incredibly smart woman 
And the fact that she even like in the 20s was willing to get a divorce just shows you how strong she was too. Because usually if you're a single woman over 18, you're seen as like, you're not going to make it anywhere. But I mean, how many books has she written? She only had six at the time this happened. She and 62, I think, 62 novels, something like that. Uh, and then 14 uh, short story yeah. books. She wrote quite a few while she was like still single too. At least a couple because she was trying to keep herself afloat and then she got remarried and, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, I think real quick, one of the questions that I would like to ask Kim. is where is Miss Agatha Christie now? Now, I know that sounds like a weird question because uh, she passed away in 1976. But where are you going with this? Uh, where I'm going is a place called, I think it's pronounced the Torque Museum, I think is what it is. It's in Devon, uh, where she was from. And they have had a little bit of a ghost problem. So this is one of the things I found uh, just very recently. You mean while um, I'm doing the podcast? While we were doing the podcast, <laughs> uh, I looked up one thing about Agatha Christie, and then I thought, I wonder if anyone, because you said like you said the whole H- or not HP, uh, L. Ron Hubbard thing, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, where would you go to talk to Agatha Christie's ghost? So I typed in Agatha Christie's ghost in Google. And what I found is that this museum has been having a problem in their gift shop of someone has been knocking all of the books off their shelf, which are Agatha Christie books, which is odd. And on their CCTV cameras that they eventually set up, they finally caught the image of a woman. And according to them, with this image, she's about halfway in the floor. So it can't just be a normal person it has to be a ghost, and they think it's the ghost of Agatha Christie since the majority of the novels being knocked off are hers. Why would she knock off her own books? Uh, I thought you were going to say, like, the, all the books except right. for Agatha Christie's got knocked off the shelves. I think like, that'd be a definite if that was the case. Screw uh, the competition! I mean, like, regardless of, like, whether or not, you know, it's true. I mean, like, so this is the picture that they found on their CCTV. I don't know how well you can see that. It's not a very clear picture anyway. Yeah, that's as clear as the picture actually is. Terrifying. Yeah, uh, so that is actually what came off of their CCTV. That's a pretty clear picture. It is a clear picture like of a person. It's it's odd. Like there's a little bit of red right there. Show you anything more zoomed out? No, that's that's what they have. Uh, Apparently the video is floating around somewhere. Like I said, I just found this, but so just in case anyone was wondering, I just wanted to update everyone on Agatha Christie's whereabouts at this moment. Uh, she is <laughs> in a- Haunting. Yeah, yeah. She's in a museum gift shop pushing her books off the shelf. Maybe <laughs> maybe they don't have her favorite books that she wrote, and that's why she's pushing mm-hmm. those ones off. But it is a Seems mystery. Fair. Yeah. That's all I've got, though. I just felt like it was important. That's great. I love that picture. Yeah. Oh. Add a link. I'll yeah. post a follow-up. Yeah, we'll, if put, we find we'll put a, video. a picture. We'll find the video because I want to see the video too. Um. Uh, uh, real quick before we go, Sarah, you said you had an interesting story to tell us and we are curious to hear it. Okay, so um, I have been a huge Agatha Christie fan for a long time and I was reading one of her books, The Murder on the Orient Express which is one of her most famous stories. It's been made into a ton of movies and everything. And when I looked into it, I found that her inspiration for that story came from the, the disappearance of the Lindbergh baby, the Charles Lindbergh baby case. And I am related to his wife and the child's mother, Anne Mara Lindbergh. She's a distant relative. What? what? Right? That's interesting. That's cool. I know. Yeah. Hmm. That's very so interesting. So in a, a very distant way, Agatha wrote about my distant relatives. <laughs> That's really interesting. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Which means you're entwined in this conspiracy in a very distant way. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't want to say it, but I'm, I'm part alien too, so. Makes so much sense. Now I, right? Know. I know. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Cool. That yeah. is cool. Back to the end. Yeah, we can, we can wrap this up now, I think. Um, yeah, I think that's mostly what we got. Um, Agatha Christie was abducted by aliens. 
or by her alien boyfriend. Right, and, Indian. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And went on a Stonehenge tour and ended up in a spa for their honeymoon. I love yeah. that story so much. I can't. I can't even tell you. <laughs> anything wrong with it? I, I think that's totally the story. So <laughs> thanks. It has to be. Thanks for listening. Yeah. To that. <laughs> and thank you, Sarah, for joining us on this. Yeah. Thanks for being You're very here. welcome. Thanks for um, having. Me. Of course. And you can follow us on the Twitter and the Facebook. And we have an email if you feel like sending us um, fan mail or any of Jason's smut. He will still accept that. He will still accept that. Um, yeah. Yeah. This has been a conspiracy. What conspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Remember to stay stitches and let us know what you think about the conspiracy and let us know if you have any other theories if you have photographic evidence if you helped agatha christie i want to know about all of it so let us know about that and again we'll put up that video of the ghost you let us know what that is too because i can't decide looking at the picture okay bye yeah we're good bye